we've built this business on the belief that we're not going to turn anybody away. So there's things that, that we lose money on, but you know, we're in a little different industry. You know, there's a person at the other end of, of this that's suffering with some sort of condition. So we try to make it as available as possible. Welcome to Franchise Empires, where aspiring entrepreneurs learn exactly what it takes to become a successful franchise owner from one location to 10 and beyond. I'm the Wolf of Franchises. Hey everyone, it's the Wolf. Today in the show, we have Jim Codman, a multi-unit franchisee of Vital Care Infusion Services. This is a different kind of episode as Jim is the first and very likely will be the only franchise owner we have on this show that is in the pharmaceutical industry. Pharmacy franchises are rare and Vital Care might be the only one in the country with this model. So it was a chance for me to dive into the industry, learn more about how pharmacies work from the owner itself. And we got to talk all things franchising as it relates to Vital Care and their franchise model. I hope you enjoy this one. The Wolf of Franchises is the CEO of Wolfpack Franchising, as well as a creator at Workweek Media. All opinions expressed by the Wolf and podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinion of Wolfpack Franchising or Workweek. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. The Wolf, Workweek and Wolfpack Franchising may maintain positions in the franchises discussed on this podcast. I covered this franchise in my newsletter a while back, like a few months ago at least. And I was pumped to do that because it's a very unique franchise, right? There's not too many companies in the pharmaceutical realm that are franchising. So I'm pretty sure uh, it's the only one. Yeah, I would guess. I've yet to find another one. I thought when I first just like stumbled on the brand that it was a, uh, there's all these like drip therapy places where you go in, you get like the, yeah, you know, the, the IV hydration. therapy. Yeah. yeah. This is different. So I think just a good starting spot is for the listeners, if you could explain maybe kind of just generally what you guys do as a business. Sure. So we're home infusion, specialty infusion. So it would be IV medications given in an alternate site. So not a hospital. Typically in the patient's home, we have most of the franchises would have an infusion suite on site. We do. We could be providing the medication to another infusion suite also, depending on the patient's location. It's not typically hydration, although it could be. You know, you mentioned the vitamin C and the just the general hydration that you see a lot. We're capable of doing that. That's certainly not our forte by any stretch. This would be a lot of medications. A lot of the things you see on TV, to be honest with you, you know, Ocrevus, Tepeza, IVIG, Remicade. If you see it on TV, we're probably involved with it. So like, honestly, some of those, you know, drug names, not familiar at all. I don't know what that says about me, but <laughs> it's a niche market. Yeah. Is it if you have a sickness or, you know, what's the reason someone would walk in either? I, I guess they'd be prescribed potentially the drugs versus just over the counter. Right. Yeah. But yeah. What's going on with the, your end customer, basically? Sure. So they're certainly prescribed by a physician, okay. you know, or an ancillary provider like a PA or a nurse practitioner. We get a lot of neurology patients, MS, CIDP, 
a number of neurologic conditions, a lot of GI indications, Crohn's, ulcerative colitis, things like that, a lot of rheumatology, um, you know, rheumatoid arthritis, psoriatic arthritis, you know, dermatomyocytosis, a little bit of dermatologies mixed in there, some immune deficiency, drawing a blank on other things right now, but that's, yeah, that's, that's, that's pretty solid anyways. You know, yeah. usually it's a specialist. It's not typically your PCP, although there's a lot of antibiotics. So you're dealing with people coming out of the hospital, maybe an infectious disease doctor, maybe a wound center, you know, maybe TPNs as an example. So people that, you know, for whatever reason, their intestinal tract doesn't work properly. So a TPN is total parenteral nutrition. So it's all your food, but it's in an IV. So your gut doesn't work. So you're not eating. So you get hooked up to a bag for 12 to 24 hours a day that provides all your nutrients. Okay. So that, that's a pretty wide range. So it sounds like there's quite a bit of, you know, I guess medications on the shelf, so to speak, in your pharmacy, right? It keeps it interesting because you're dealing with a wide variety of patients, a wide variety of prescribers. There's a lot to learn. It's definitely a specialized segment of pharmacy. Yeah. And let's talk into that because, you know, I'm mildly familiar, mainly just from the research I did ahead of this discussion. But the pharmaceutical landscape and even maybe the healthcare landscape definitely has relevance here, too, right? I mean, why is a patient getting prescribed or not getting prescribed, but why are they actually having to go to your pharmacy versus the typical, I mean, depending on where you live, there's shop right here in the Northeast or Rite Aid, or there's a bunch of different options depending on where you live. But yeah, how did vital care carve out some type of niche in this market? Look, any condition, if it can be treated, you know, with lifestyle modification or an oral medication, that's always preferable. You know, nobody wants an IV medication if you don't need it. But some of these conditions, they're pretty severe. They're debilitating. If the oral therapies don't work, usually an IV is going to be third line, fourth line, maybe, you know, once in a while, second line. It's not preferential. But whenever you're, the therapy is very specialized and there's a lot of coordination because a lot of our medications require a nurse. You know, a nurse has to administer it. So, you know, we're coordinating the physician's office, the patient, the nursing, and ourselves. So there's a lot of moving parts to, to every order that's filled. But some of these conditions, you'd be amazed how severe the impact is on the patient's lives. And for our healthcare system, you know, say what you want about it. It's certainly got its flaws, but it, there's some amazing things that you can see happen with patients. You know, the change that we've seen in patients from the beginning to the end is, it's awesome sometimes. And we get to be a little bit more involved with some of the patients, you know, especially if they're coming into the pharmacy for their infusions where we're seeing them on a regular basis, where you see them come in day one and, you know, whatever the problem is, it's pretty significant and you can see it reduce over time. I mean, that's pretty rewarding just to be a part of that, you know, when you see somebody's journey up close like that. I couldn't imagine. Honestly, I, I wasn't totally aware of, of just, I guess, the severity of potential sicknesses and diseases that like your location could service. So it sounds like, if I'm understanding correctly, that a big reason and a big draw 
that, you know, is different from the other pharmacies is that you do have that ability, right, to do the IV infusion on site, correct? Yeah. Your standard retail pharmacies are not going to be working with with IV medications. It's just a a little more complex. There's a lot of supplies involved. It's just they're, they're just not set up to do it. Now, a lot of those retail pharmacies, like if it's a big chain, they might have a, a branch within that organization that would handle IV medications, but they're not going to handle it, you know, at the corner drugstore, so to speak. Given that you've mentioned, you know, nurses and whatnot, can you give us a layout of a, of a typical franchise? I mean, is there square footage that you shoot for and typical you know, number of employees, as well as, is it all nurses? Is it all licensed professionals? Yeah, it really depends on the size of the franchise. We're on the larger end. There are franchises that are bigger than us. There's a number that are smaller than us, and you don't have to go back too many years, and we were a good bit smaller. Generally speaking, when you're starting out brand new, you're probably targeting like three to 4,000 square feet. Depending on how you use it, would depend on what your total needs are going to be. Currently, I'm just a little bit under 11,000 square feet, but we're running a number of service lines out of here also. So we might have a little bit more needs from a square footage standpoint than some other places might. In terms of your staffing, I mean, you can start with a relatively small staff. We currently have 37 employees at this location. You know, so you have everything. We we have nurses, we have several pharmacists, a lot of technicians, we have delivery drivers. Oh wow. Compliance officer. You need an office manager. We have a nurse coordinator. Yeah, we've got quite a few here. Now I have a second location that's it's a lot newer and it's a lot smaller. But the moment, you know, they've got pharmacists, technicians, and you know, we're using a courier service at the moment for drivers. So you've got a wide variety of everything in between. So, you know, you could have us with 30 some employees or you could have another location that might only have five or six. So it just kind of depends on where you're at in the growth process. That's this fascinating, though, just to hear how big a single location can get. You know, most franchisees that I've had in the show or franchisors, right? We've had some home service groups and founders and owners in or on the show, but a lot of, you know, your, your classic brick and mortar type location that can go in a strip mall, like a lot of those kinds of concepts. So this is definitely pretty unique that one location is as big as 11,000 square feet and can scale up to, you know, 30 plus employees for that location. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's fascinating. And, and we're also licensed in multiple states. Okay. So we're, you know, we're located in Pennsylvania, but we're licensed to service Ohio, West Virginia, Maryland, Delaware, New Jersey, New York. I guess there's a revenue stream because you mentioned delivery and I think in-home IV like therapy. So mm-hmm. is that part of the business model as well where you guys will actually send people out to houses to administer? Yeah, the majority of people get it in their own home. Oh. So, I mean, ask the average patient, would you rather come into an infusion center or would you rather sit on your couch in your own house and have the nurse come to you? Oh yeah, I I know my answer, yeah. (laughs) I I think ever since COVID, everybody's realized I can do everything at home. So, you know, the majority of patients given the option are gonna pick, you know, let's do it at home. 
And that actually kind of funnels in nicely to a question I was curious about. I'm, I believe I know the answer, but, you know, for folks who maybe aren't really as, as familiar with how the healthcare system works, right? I assume that, you know, all your quote unquote customers, patients, is insurance paying for the medication for the most part? Or is it out of pocket? You know, what do you typically see there? You know, the majority is insurance paid. There's a number of assistance programs out there. Some of the medications are pretty expensive, to say the least. Most people can't afford many of them themselves. So a big part of our job is making sure, one, your insurance is going to cover it because you don't want to get stuck with a, a large bill, you know, at some point. Yeah. But at the same time, we're also looking to insurance only covers a percentage. You know, everybody's got deductibles and copay or coinsurance and things like that. So, you know, what kind of assistance is out there? Some of the manufacturers offer assistance. There's some government programs out there. There's some foundations and things like that. So we're always trying to connect our patients to whatever form of assistance is out there to try to reduce their out-of-pocket expense as much as possible. And so for like for you as an owner, because that's a, that's a unique dynamic, right? That you're the folks, you know, paying you and driving your revenue aren't like technically your customers, right? The insurance companies are paying. So how does that look for you as the owner who's trying, you know, from a, at least if we're just thinking capitalistically in this sense, right? How do you drive revenue in that scenario? I mean, are you needing to form relationships with doctors to utilize your location or how does that work to really drive that customer base up and that volume up? I mean, we employ a sales force and there are certain therapies that are going to be more profitable than others. I mean, if we're talking strictly from the capitalistic side of things, certain therapies are going to be more profitable than others. So the sales reps go out and target the more profitable therapies. Now, yeah. we've built this business on the belief that we're not going to turn anybody away. So there's things that, that we lose money on, but you know we're in a little different industry. You know, there's a person at the other end of, of this that's suffering with some sort of condition. So we try to make it as available as possible. So, you know, there's times that we'll take patients where we're losing money or we'll get free drug from the manufacturer. So the manufacturer's taking the hit on the drug. You know, there's been times that we'll administer the medication and the patient doesn't pay for that. You know, you can't make a habit from a business standpoint of doing that all the time. But of course, you know, when, when you're in healthcare, you've got to remember there's a patient you're taking care of. And if you put profits first, it's nobody benefits from that. You know, certainly that's a component of it, but that can't be your sole focus or you're in the wrong industry. Go find something else. And that's how we've operated. And we've been able to build a lot of trust with various physician offices and facilities and things like that, because they've come to know that we're going to put the patient first. And it's a little bit of old school, just customer service and take care of the patient and do the right thing. And, you know, the financial end takes care of itself. There's an element of that to it also. I figured there is still kind of that old school relationship driven element to it. It is fascinating. And, you know, you did mention, right, that maybe if someone's coming into it 
just with the profit motive that it's, you know, they should probably find a different business or even industry to go into. What was your path? Because I think that's an interesting angle here is, is kind of how you ended up, you know, with vital care. Were you specifically looking at franchises? Do you have a background in this industry? Like, what would you say kickstarted your journey here? Well, I've been a pharmacist for 26 years now. I bought my pharmacy in 2006. I didn't franchise with Vital Care until 2015. So we'd already been in business for nine plus years before I franchised. I've always taken the approach that if a person or an insurance company values something or someone, they'll pay them. I mean, the easy analogy is athletes. An athlete is successful and good and helps your team win, you get paid typically. I could see areas within pharmacy that the insurance companies were or were not willing to pay for. So I tried to be where they were willing to pay because I figure they see a value in that. The IV realm seemed to be something that they were valuing and something that was a little bit more challenging. Just from a personal standpoint, I get bored sometimes if it's like routine and run of the mill all the time. Like yeah. I like to challenge myself. You know, it was an area I had hospital experience, so I knew about some of the IVs, but I didn't have a whole lot of home infusion experience. But it looked like a growing area. It looked like something where there was a, a need in our area. You know, we're like an hour from Pittsburgh, about an hour from the city. So it's a little more rural here. I don't want to say we're underserved, but there certainly are areas that are served better than we are. And there seemed to be an opportunity. You know, it seemed like when somebody needed an IV, they were always coming out of Pittsburgh to do it. You know, and if you move further from the city, you know, sometimes they were coming an hour and a half, two hours to get to some of these patients. So, you know, I felt like being a little closer to them, we had an opportunity to provide some better care for those patients. It made sense. It was, um, it, it checked all the boxes for me. And I'm always interested in diversifying the business and what else can I do? Where's the industry going to be in five years? Try to look into that crystal ball constantly. You know, it's not a surefire thing, but, you know, I at least like to think about the future and I'm usually not happy with the status quo. Nice. Nine years, you said. Was there, I'm sure there's a variety of reasons, but what would you say were some of the biggest ones that you decided to convert your pharmacy to a franchised pharmacy in which, of course, you're still the owner of the business, but it's, it's a bit of a different ballgame, right? With some franchise or guidelines or guardrails, however you want to say it. You know, what was the big motivator there to jump in with Vital Care? One, I don't think you could do this on your own. I mean, our competitors are extremely large companies. There's some services that Vital Care provides that I just don't think you could start from scratch on your own at this point. You know, there's a few independents out there in the home infusion world, but they've been doing it for a while. I think it'd be virtually impossible to do it on your own. Also, I mean, Vital Care wasn't quite as structured when I franchised as they are now. They've grown, they've progressed, they've done a lot of really good things. When I first franchised, they didn't have the level of structure that they do now, good and bad. I think part of growth is you develop more structure over time. I think when you're smaller, there's a little bit more freedom there, but the level of support wasn't what it is now too. 
So, you know, there's give and take with something like that. So when I initially made that decision, it was a little bit different. It was a different structure than what it is now. You know, with opening a new location, you know, I still think that to get a new location off the ground, I think you need the help. So, you know, I I opened one about a year and a half ago, probably going to open another one within the next year. I don't think there's a way you can do that without having some outside assistance. And and they certainly provide that support. Well, that's good to hear. And I mean, were you attached to any other company before you joined Vital Care or were you were kind of like a mom and pop independent pharmacy yeah. at that point? Yeah. Independent. And so you just thought, I mean, I assume when you say you're going up against massive companies, right? We're talking about like the Walgreens and the Rite Aids and all those consumer pharmacies, right? Or sorry, retail national pharmacies, right? Yeah. Like CVS would have Quorum yep. or CVS Specialty, you know, so multi-billion dollar companies. Yeah, that's definitely tough. And I mean, for this concept, I've been trying to find that on the website. Do you have to be a pharmacist for it? Or could theoretically, you know, there are concepts out there. Like I think one example is uh, the joint. It's a chiropractic franchise. You don't actually have to be a chiropractor to own that. There's this whole legal structure that's referred to as like an MSO PC model. I was curious if that's part of like an option within vital care or, or do you have to legally be a pharmacist to be the owner of the business? No, you don't have to be. You'd certainly need to employ one. Yeah. <laughs> you know, maybe a couple. You know, you're also vulnerable if you're not a pharmacist because if your pharmacist leaves <laughs> and you're not a pharmacist, you got to scramble to get somebody in there pretty quick. But no, you have to be a pharmacist. Does it help? Probably. But there's a business side to it also. So, I mean, is there any reason why a business person couldn't do it? No. I think that it helps being a pharmacist. I would recommend it probably. Yeah. But there's plenty of owners that aren't pharmacists now and and they're doing well. You've got to make sure you get, I mean, but this is always the case. You need the right team around you. So, you know, you need the right pharmacist. You need the right nurses. You need the right technicians and you can make it work. This is obviously like but just a very different industry than anything that the listeners of this show has seen. And right, we've talked about the Walgreens and Rite Aids and CVSs of the world. I mean, you know, with most industries, so food and beverage, for example, people expect around 10% margins, you know, after you account for all your expenses. Home services is a bit higher, 15 to 20%. I mean, there's exceptions to these, of course, that, that beat these ranges. But like, what is it? And, you know, there's retail grocery franchises and grocery margins like 2%. Is there like a general range, just even, you know, not even necessarily asking about vital care, just the, uh, you know, you've been in the industry for quite a while now, you know, is there expected range for your typical pharmacy from a margin perspective? I mean, pharmacy margins vary widely. In retail pharmacy, they're razor thin. Honestly, they can be negative a lot of the time, surprisingly. You know, I'll have patients say, you know, I saw my EOB and my insurance company paid you $500 for that drug. (laughs) And problem is I paid $520 to get it. So they are sometimes razor thin. It varies widely, depends on your therapy mix. I would, I don't know, it's hard to nail down a specific number because it's going to depend on your market and your therapy mix and your insurance, you know, your insurance mix also. I would say 10 to 12% is probably a, at least get you in the ballpark. But 
that can vary widely. It could be bigger than 12%. You know, if you market effectively and you're able to, to generate a lot of, you know, like I said, there's certain therapies that are more profitable. If you can generate more of those, you'll do better than that. If due to whatever reason there is, you know, it could be your sales force, it could be just your market, it may be less than that. So I think that'd be a good starting point. No, that's really helpful context. And I'm just sure, you know, folks listening to it, you know, would have been curious to learn more about that. So really good insight. And, you know, as you look forward, uh, you've got two stores now. Do you have a goal, you know, with Vital Care from like uh, expansion perspective or maybe, you know, it's common for franchisees of, of one industry to go into other concepts of other industries, but Sounds like you have a specialization. So I'd guess no on the latter, but yeah, curious, you know, do you have kind of any growth goals over the coming years? Sure. I think, I don't think any owner doesn't have a growth goal. (laughs) We're probably going to open the third franchise within the next year. That's the short term goal. I think a fourth franchise would probably just about be my limit personally. So there may be once we get number three open, I think we'll start thinking about number four and make a decision from there. And look, I'm always looking to diversify whatever the the method of doing that is. I'm always ears. I'll listen to, to whatever pitch somebody has to give me. So yeah, I'd like to see some more diversification with the business. I think that the larger vital care gets, the more contracting opportunities we have. Last I checked, I think we're in 31 or 32 states now. We're over 100 franchises. We have a further reach than we've ever had in the past. For the longest time, we were basically an SEC company. And then now a Big Ten guy gets involved. And, but now we're kind of spreading out across the whole country. So when you have a further reach, it just gives you more opportunities. So I think from a contracting standpoint, seeing what we can do in that area, what are the new services? There's always new therapies coming to market. So making sure that we're involved in whatever way we can with whatever the latest therapies are, basically setting ourselves apart as being, you know, on the on the front edge of everything that's going on from a, a technology or, you know, advances in healthcare. You know, I think you want vital care to be associated with you know, the idea that we're at the very front edge of what's going on in medicine as much as possible. I can imagine three pharmacies as well. That's a, that's a lot to handle. So, yeah, I mean, look, I thought it was fascinating, the concept, and it uh, seems like there's a great team there around you at the franchisor level, too. So we're wishing you the best of luck. And, you know, folks are interested more in, in vital care and this industry and to follow you along. Is there anywhere online that's a good spot to do that or to follow just the vital care franchise? Sure. Uh, I mean, you can find find vital care at uh, vitalcare.com. It's all one word. Um, you can find us specifically at advancedcarefarm.com. It's P-H-A-R-M. I'm not sure why I didn't include the ACY at the end of that, but we cut that <laughs> off. I guess that made it a lot shorter. You can follow us on Facebook. You know, we're just under Advanced Care Pharmacy Vital Care. So you can find us on those locations online. Folks, we'll uh, link to those in the show notes. So if you want to check it out, feel free to click through. And uh, yeah, Jim, thanks again for coming on and uh, we'll talk soon. All right. Sounds great. Thanks a lot. Thanks for listening to Franchise Empires. 
We're coming to you soon with actionable insights to take the next step on your franchise journey. So make sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, Google, or wherever you listen. Listen.